Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for joining us again on the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander here, as always, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's going on, my dude? Not too much, buddy. All I want to know is how are you now that we are quarter into this season? I love the NBA. It's just that simple. Every night, (laughs) night after night, I know we start off the podcast every week saying the same thing, but it doesn't change the facts that the NBA is just amazing. We're never struggling for storylines. There's always something fun happening. Crazy stories that the Cavs were written off already. And now they're back on top, right? Right? Like how much has gone on already? The season is amazing. And I know you're you're probably locked in right now to your Sixers as we speak. Right? Big, big time game going on right now in Boston with the Sixers. No MB, no TJ McConnell. But man, they're putting up a good fight right now. As always, we start the podcast with a little turn up, turn down. And how that works is we'll make a statement and it's simple. Turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. We mentioned that it's Thursday night as we're taping this podcast, which means your Cleveland Cavaliers are playing the Atlanta Hawks right now, up to third in the Eastern Conference. Winners of nine in a row, could be 10, depending on what happens against Atlanta. But bottom line, here's a statement. The Cavs are back. Webby, turn up or turn down? Gotta turn up. Gotta turn up. And it's because of LeBron James and this unbelievable season that the guy's having. I mean, you think about how old he is and how many years he's played in the NBA, and the fact that he's playing at this high a level is uh, maybe not surprising, but definitely really fun to watch. And I think that we said before this season started that we were expecting LeBron James to do big things this year because of kind of what happened last year in the regular season with the Cavs and LeBron's performance. While it was unbelievable, I don't think he finished in the top three in MVP voting. So we both thought that he had this in him, and just to see him uh, accomplish these feats is unbelievable. And when he's going, any team he's on is is pretty much unbeatable. We also assume that a big uh, LeBron James season was coming as well, just because of the fact that the whole Kyrie Irving situation, right? And Kyrie wanting out, you kind of know that if this is LeBron's last hurrah in Cleveland, you know he's going to go out with a bang, right? Like he's not going to chill during this regular season. But the pressure of having no Kyrie Irving and having to wait on Isaiah Thomas, we've kind of been forced into this crazy LeBron season, right? Where he's playing a hell of minutes early on because at a necessity because they've kind of ne- they've needed him. I mean, Jose Calderon is getting point guard minutes for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Starting. He started against the Sixers. Right. In 2017, Jose Calderon is starting for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are just wearing number wearing number 81. <laughs> right? What 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 is this world that we're living in right now? But it's crazy cuz we mentioned his minutes, right? And I saw this crazy stat. So last year, right? 2016 2017, in LeBron's 14th season, he led the league in minutes per game at 37.8. This season, his 15th year, he's again leading the league in minutes at 38.6. Now, give or take a couple of points there because, you know, the timing of the, this tweet and when games are being played could throw that off a little. But how is this guy still doing this? Right? Like, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't seem to be tiring at all. He's kind of adjusted his game to where, you know, 
he's playing inside more and not as reliant on just like the outside perimeter game. Can you stop LeBron James? Uh, old man LeBron is maybe the second best, maybe second best power forward ever to play the game. <laughs> and is, isn't that the scary old, part? Like he could just go man. full on Carl Malone for the next like four or five years. No. Do you remember in the last game of the NBA Finals uh, this past year when the Cavs were down? Like the game was pretty much over, and for the for the last two three minutes, LeBron James just scored like ten straight points, twelve straight points, just by bullying his way down to the paint and scoring like from two feet from the basket. Like it's always there for him. Yeah, it's super crazy just how he's able to do this. And the the crazy stats don't stop there, though, Webby, because it's one thing to say that it's his 15th season, right? But when you put it into the context of since the start of 2003-2004 season, LeBron James has logged over 60,000 minutes over the regular season and playoffs combined, okay? That's 14,000 more minutes than every other player in the NBA. Like, that doesn't even make sense, right? Like, Dwayne Wade is second at 45,000 minutes. But, like, how is he doing this at such a crazy, consistent level? And it's not even like he's just playing, right? It's not like he's he's getting his, uh, I want to say, Eli Manning on because Eli had, like, the Iron Man streak going. But Eli hasn't really been that good the past few years, right? But LeBron is still consistently giving you, what, 28, 7, and 7 every night? (laughs) Yeah, and now shooting the three ball better than he's ever shot it in his career. It's a, it's and, honestly and amazing. It's like every year he can like pick out something just to do for the fun of it if he wanted. Yeah, and and the pieces are really really starting to fit into place. You're seeing Dwayne Wade, who's who's fitting in more as that second unit guy, and obviously he's not flash anymore, but he doesn't have to be right. Like he's going against second unit dudes, a, a wash Dwayne Wade leading your second unit is still pretty good. And then, of course, they're still going to get Isaiah Thomas. So as good as they look now, they're still adding another all-star. Uh, not only that, but there's there's still deals that the Cavs can make here, too. Yeah, it, it's it's super crazy. Super crazy. We're both turning up on the Cavs are back. 100%. Uh, switching gears from one former MVP to another former MVP. Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The statement is time to panic in OKC. Turn up or turn down. Oh man, it's tough because I mean we've just kind of said that even nine games kind of makes LeBron and the Cavs now like magically good again, mm-hmm. right? And in the Eastern Conference, yeah, like the nine game streak will will put you right up there in, in what third place now. Yeah, they're basically in third place, the Cavs. So it, it it's not too early to say that they're back, but I, you know what? I don't think it is too early to say that the the Thunder might be in big trouble here. And I will say, I mean, you pointed this out from early, and I kind of disagreed. I said that I, I thought they would easily figure it out. It would just take some time. And so far, I'm not looking like it's not looking like I'm correct in this situation, but. It's so much so to the point where there's talk of now, will Melo be coming off the bench? Because what ends up happening is these guys haven't figured out yet how they're going to play with each other. And it's kind of just them taking turns scoring, which will work for a bit. 
but they just end up blowing leads down the stretch and it's just not going well for them so far. Russ is not doing it as he did last year. And what's making things worse for the Thunder is a perception of what's going on with Russell Westbrook because the guys that left, like Enos Cantor looks really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sabonis, it's amazing. Uh, Oladipo is having a great season. And these guys are having a bigger year without Russ, while Paul George and Melo so far haven't really been been – they haven't lived up to, to what they were, which we knew the numbers weren't going to be the same, but we expected at least – a bit better performance in this, right? Like, I think I saw the stat where it said uh, of their 12 losses, they were leading in like nine of them and like nine or 10 of them are blown leads in the fourth quarter. Like, that's crazy and something that shouldn't be happening with a team with three all-stars. No, absolutely. And not only that, but if you hope to re-sign Paul George next year and you want to build this unit mm-hmm. to where you want it to be for down the road and not just for this year, you're not doing a great job in convincing him to stay in Oklahoma City with a team performing like it is. I know you you turned up on this that it's time to worry on OKC and I'm going to have to, like, I'm agreeing with you. It is time to worry. And, and it's hard for me to say this, Webby, but this is the first time that I'm actually worried about this team. And I know it's weird because just last week we were talking about how great they looked when they they beat uh, Golden State. But I think yeah. what that showed, right, was if it's a blowout, like if they get out to a good game and it's a blowout and whatever, like, cool. But if it's a tight game coming down the wire, coming down the stretch, or if they're losing and have to make a comeback, they really don't know how to play yet in that situation. And that situation is basically playoff basketball, right? They, they don't have guys right now who know how to play through adversity. I know that's such a cliche, but that could be the coaching. And I really think that, like, hey, we got our first coach fired and nobody had David Fisdale to be that first coach fired. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you, you, you wonder if that's, like, the next step is... But it's got to be Billy Donovan next, right? It's, it's super interesting because, I mean, at the same time... Right now they're 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 hovering around that eight seed, right? Depending on scores that happen tonight uh, or whenever you're listening to this, they're hovering around that eight, nine, ten spot. It's all still pretty close. So right. you don't want to play. Obviously, you don't. Nobody wants to play Golden State in the first round of the playoffs, right? But if there is a team that you know wouldn't mind playing Golden State in the playoffs or who would get hyped up to play Golden State in the playoffs, it would be OKC. But even if they finished in seventh, even if they finished in sixth, and now they're going up against, let's say, the Spurs, which is another story, which we'll get to. I mean, I still think there's time to figure this out and you don't give up on this team, right? Like, I think too much emphasis always happens where we blame the players a lot of times and like we, we put this blame on Russell Westbrook and he can't figure it out, but literally it's a coach's job, right? Like literally by definition, it's a coach's job to figure this out and help these guys work their way through it. Whether that's calling plays, whether that's, you know, your substitution patterns. I just feel like there's things that Billy Donovan has to be able to do or else you find someone else who can. That's my opinion. I think Russ is getting too much of the blame for this. And you just have good players, and at some a certain point, you gotta you gotta figure it out. I definitely agree that Russ is getting too much of the blame for this. Uh, I, I still think he's one of the most electric players to watch, mm-hmm. and I don't think that anybody gives more uh, in a forty eight minute game than Russell Westbrook. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things where Russ is such an interesting case because even through all those years with Kevin Durant, right? Like he gets all the blame as to why like they weren't quote unquote successful. And I'm doing air quotes as if people can see me do air quotes <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> right. But you know, Russ came out as a bad guy in the whole Kevin Durant thing, right? Like, oh, it's tough to play at Russell Westbrook. But we're acting as if they weren't successful. Right? Like yeah. every year that the two of them were healthy, they made it at least to the conference finals. Like that's no small feat. So whether if getting over the hump is winning, like legitimately winning an, an NBA title, like, okay, fine. But that's a super high bar. One team wins, right? And and to blame everything on Russ and paint Russ as a bad guy to me is super unfair. And I, I think he has a super hard job in trying to keep Melo happy, trying to figure out where Paul George wants the ball. Exactly. Uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, we were singing the praises of their bench in terms of Ray Felton and company, right? And now <laughs> maybe, maybe you know, Ray Felton had his run and, and, and things are kind of heading to where you'd expect Raymond yeah. Felton's struggles to be in, right? <laughs> yeah, they, we knew they were coming. Yeah, we did know they were coming. Uh, so, yes, to recap that one, we're both turning up on, yes, it is time to worry about the OKC Thunder, but yeah. I'm worried... Until they get rid of Billy Donovan. Yes, I, I am worrying. I'm definitely worrying, but I'm not giving up hope yet because there's still tons of season left to go. Um, I want to see an 8-1 matchup between them and the Warriors. That's all I want. <laughs> A team that I might be giving up on is our next topic. And with the news of Blake Griffin, who will oh. miss about two months with a sprained MCL, uh, that was a word from Woj. But our next topic is the Clippers are cursed. Webby, are we turning up or turning down <laughs> on this topic? No, the Clippers are cursed. They're just run by Doc Rivers. So maybe they are cursed. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to think like how this team, like it's just one thing after the other. And, and it's no not just Blake Griffin. It's it's Beverly. It's uh, Tia Dosich, who everybody was really high on coming into this year. Yeah. He's hardly played. And they just don't have a point guard right now. Yeah, it's it's really tough. And I know this is kind of like a half joking type topic about the Clippers being cursed because I don't. I'm turning down on the. I don't think they're cursed because that's kind. That's like a half joke, obviously. But the Clipper season is over, right? And like, it's just a terrible sight to see. And you can't really say they're cursed. They're just mismanaged, as you pointed out, by the fact that. You tried to build your team basically around Blake Griffin, Patrick Beverly, and Danilo Gallinari. Between them, they have one 70-game season over the past three <laughs> years. Between them. And that's who you were building your team around, right? So it's fun it as people joke around about the Kardashian curse or the Clippers just being cursed because of Donald Sterling or whatever. But literally, Doc Rivers has just been a terrible GM. And this year was no different. I mean, he was kind of put into a... a put into a corner with the whole Chris Paul thing. And, yes. you know, that forced his hand to make a move, but he still he, re-upped on he Blake should have seen that. This is something that Doc Rivers should have seen coming. That it, It's either, you know, like, it, this Chris Paul catching him this kind of blindsided and not having a plan for if this happened, or even worse, this being his plan for if this happened, it's just terrible. Yeah, he, he messed this up totally. And I don't know if we talked about this on this podcast before, but uh, did you see there was a doc that Chris Paul did 
I think it was in association with the NBA maybe or ESPN. I think it aired on ESPN. But it was basically about his entire offseason and like the decision to move on from the Clippers to wherever. But obviously he ended up with the Rockets. But in this doc, have you seen this? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, I haven't. So in one of the scenes in this doc, there's a scene where he's in the studio with, of all people, Jay-Z and a bunch of their (laughs) friends. And they're just sitting around like talking about, you know, what Chris Paul's going to do. Like, is he going to stay? Does he want to stay? Does he want to leave type thing? And Chris Paul's kind of frustrated, but he's explaining the situation to them. And he's saying, you know, I went to... He said he went to Steve Ballmer and he was like, what are we trying to do to get better? How are we trying to get better? Right? Like we know what Golden State is already. We see them. That's the bar. How are we trying to get on their level? Because if we're just bringing back the same team over and over again, that's not going to work. So his frustrations were known. And yet, obviously, nothing was worked out. Instead, they just re-signed Blake Griffin. But he, he forced his way out. And you're right. Doc Rivers had no counter. No, no foresight, and it's just crazy. Now, you want to talk about being cursed. I heard that I heard a rumor that one of the trades out there was the uh, the Cavs' first round pick, not the Nets' first round pick. Okay, the Cavs' first round pick and Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan. And then- now that would bring Tristan Thompson to LA <laughs> with your girl Chloe Kardashian. You would have an all Kardashian front line. <laughs> oh man! Right, like oh man! You want to talk about a curse? Now I do believe in a Kardashian curse. <laughs> not so, not so sold on the Clippers curse, but a Kardashian curse is real. And I mean, if you get two or more of them on the same team, well, you're just asking for trouble. I mean, it is just so crazy, right? And I mean, obviously, it is somewhat ridiculous to to joke to to say that, you know, the Kardashians have an effect on, you know, these NBA players and the outcome of a basketball game. But at the end of the day, I'll just say this much, okay? Last week, the Clippers were in New York. They get smashed by the Knicks, okay? And then later on, your boy, the leader of your team, is photographed coming out of a club with Kendall Jenner at like 3 a.m. in the morning. And now, I'm not saying you can't go out. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm not going to be that guy. All I'm saying is that's not a good look. You have to be aware of how that's going to look, right? Like your team is in the middle of a losing streak. You're getting smashed. You just lose to the Knicks who are good, but they shouldn't be blowing you out if you're the Clippers, right? And and you're just out partying till 3 a.m. All right, cool, right? But like just nothing on the Clippers is a good look. And even with Blake Griffin's injury, I don't know if you caught this, Webby. Doc Rivers trying to blame Lonzo. When really, <laughs> did you see that? see that? He tried to blame yeah. Lonzo when really it was his son, Austin, who fell into Blake Griffin's his own teammate, yeah. And, and he had to pull those comments back the next day. Oh, it's just such a bad It's a nightmare. Man. It's a nightmare. Doc can't. How much longer does Doc last, do you think? He can't last the whole season, right? Who lasts longer, Billy Donovan or Doc Rivers? I, I Honestly, I'll say Billy, Billy Donovan. Yeah, because there's no way the bomber comes in and Let's go, Doc, from both duties. And the other thing, too, because so Doc's just a coach, right? He's oh, yeah, because they brought in the GM. Sorry, did, yeah. Did they bring in the GM? They did, right? I'm trying to remember I, that myself. I think they did, yeah. Doc, like, I mean, you you got to trade DeAndre because you got to try to get what you can, I guess, because 
it just looks like a complete mess right now. Blake Griffin's hurt again, so it's not like he's an actual asset. I mean, what assets does, does this team have? Do you try to trade Lou Will? Maybe Lou Will can give someone some bench scoring. Like, you got to blow this up because there's just a bad stench around this era of the Clippers, whether it's Blake Griffin, DeAndre, and and Doc Rivers. Like, there's just a terrible stench around it. And I guess people thought maybe Chris, not that Chris Paul was a problem, but he was clearly the leader of this team. Right. And I think he took, he shouldered a lot of the blame for their failures, whether it's because he was injured or maybe it's because of the tension between him and Blake. And maybe there were people that thought that Chris Paul leaving would maybe lose some of that Clipper stench. No. Right. It, it's bad. It's just bad. And, I, and you're right. Like, I, I don't know what they do. Like, how do they start over? You got to blow it up. I think you, you got to blow it up. And if you're Steve Ballmer, you blow it up and you hope you get cap space and you try to sell whoever the next wave of superstars are, right? Or maybe you try to get into the LeBron sweepstakes. If LeBron doesn't want to go to the Lakers for some for whatever reason, maybe you try to or get the any, Sixers. Ooh, the Sixers. Of course you were going to go there, weren't you, Weber? <laughs> I just, I've been reading. Is there, come on, there's no, do you think there's legitimacy to that? Is that something you use? You honestly, if you, I was going to give you a percentage, we're going to do a little Sixers corner here. <laughs> okay. You're if gonna you're going to put a percentage, percentage, what would you say it's at that LeBron would go to the Sixers? Honestly? Yeah. 25%. <laughs> okay. 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 But even that is good enough for me, buddy. <laughs> what, one in four? Why not? Why wouldn't he want to come and play with these kids in Philadelphia? Oh, the team is so crazy. The team looks so good. And it's a team it's so that funny. Looks- it's so funny you say, man, LeBron would just look so great on this team. But you can say that with LeBron with the other 30 teams in the league. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, but last year, I think it was, or maybe it was two years ago. I'm, it was uh, one of the games where the Cavs were playing the Raptors. And it was like morning shoot around. And, you know, LeBron gets talkative sometimes where he just like holds right. open court. And he was going on this whole spiel about how he thought if you put him on any team in the Eastern Conference, doesn't matter what that team is, not only would they make the playoffs, but they could win a round in the playoffs, no matter what oh, team you put him on. And it was win like, oh, wow, they'd get to the Eastern Conference <laughs> championship with three quarters of the Eastern Conference. You put LeBron on the Magic right now, they're in the finals. Well, the Magic are pretty good, actually. The Magic are better. If the Magic don't lose a player and you put them on the Magic, they're a final team. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Think of the worst team. Who's the worst of it? Brooklyn, maybe not. (laughs) Him and Damari Carroll are not a dynamic (laughs) team. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Quincy Acey and LeBron James. Right? I like it. I like that wave. But in talking about the LeBron James dynasty, or maybe the dynasty that your Sixers are going to turn into, that leads us to our next turn up, turn down topic. As once again, your squad and mine, Popovich's crew, find themselves in the top tier of the Western Conference somehow, despite the fact that Tony Parker just came back and Kawhi Leonard... Hasn't been there yet. So my statement here, our next turn up, turn down. Again, turn up means good. Turn down equals bad. The Spurs are the biggest surprise of the early season. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Ooh, biggest surprise? Well, okay. Now I'm going to turn down. Oh, I'm not, again, I'm not turning down on how great the Spurs are. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. Ah, we go, we go from terrible coaching 
to great coaching. <laughs> but and but this, again, this isn't a surprise at all. We it. knew that the Spurs were going to not only tread water but be very good, and that's why they can let Kawhi rest for as long as he wants. Somehow they always figure it out, right? And it, it's so interesting because, as you said, it's not only about the coaching; it's like an organizational thing too, right? Like you come in and it, it's really a program, right? And yeah. Dwayne Casey and Masai, a couple years ago, they were talking about building a program and kind of like that mentality of college, right? Where like, yeah. this is our structure and we can fit pieces into this structure because you learn the way that we play and the kind of players that we want in our program and develop and grow. And the Spurs, it's crazy what they've been able to do. And every year... Didn't it seem for a while, maybe like the last three years, we'd always kind of head in and be like, oh, is this year they kind of fall off? Oh, is this year they kind of fall off? And I think this season, Webby, I'll be honest, I'm going to turn up on this and say the Spurs are the biggest surprise of the early season because this year I fully convinced myself, you know what, no Kawhi, (laughs) and they don't even know when he's coming back. Tony Parker's hurt again. This might be the year that the Spurs finally fall off. And again, they're right there. It's so crazy. How did they? How did they do it? How did them because, and LeBron do it? I don't get it. Because well, for the Spurs especially, the culture is built through the team and not the player. Uh-huh. Even when they had one of the best players of all time in Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. that culture was still about the team and not the player. And you can have a lot of success if that's the way you run your organization. Now with LeBron, it's the other way. The culture. <laughs> The culture is through the player. Yeah, And again, if your player is good enough and has the right kind of personality to lead, you can be very successful that way. But the fact that you're surprised that the Spurs keep doing this is crazy to me. And they're not the biggest surprise of the season, Shelly. So before we, I'm going to ask you, I want to know who your surprise is, but it it made me, it reminded me of this crazy stat that I saw earlier. uh, I think it was like a week ago. So the numbers might be just a, a tad off, but it still is totally relevant and totally the point is made. So there's a stat that's been floating around about the fewest days with a losing record since 1997. Again, remember we are in the year 2017. So this is the fewest days with a losing record in 20 years. The San Antonio Spurs have had a losing record for only 48 days of the past 20 years. That is completely insane. And it becomes even more insane when you realize who's second on that list, and it's the Dallas Mavericks. And because of where the stat is, the Dallas Mavericks have been under or sorry, have had a losing record for pretty much 780 days. That's the second most. Like, how is again? Think about that. How does that make sense? The Spurs have been under 500 for only 48 days <laughs> in 20 years, and the second place team is basically at 800 days. Uh, that's that's. See, I didn't think I was going to hear a stat crazier than the minutes played one that you gave me the other that, that you gave me earlier in the pod. With Dwayne Wade and LeBron, this is the craziest stat I've seen in the last year. This is unbelievable. 48 days and the Mavs are just 780 days? It's crazy. It's so crazy. But it goes to your point of, you know, clearly they built a program that has been able to, like, I mean, it's great to say that, hey, they had Tim Duncan and they had Tony Parker and Manu and who were yeah. great for a very long time. That's cool. But to me, to show that level 
of consistency for two decades, that's beyond just having Tim Duncan. Because Tim Duncan hasn't been Tim Duncan for what? Six years? Ten years? Do you know what I mean? He was still really good in the twilight of his career. He was still good, but he wasn't Timmy D. Do you know what I mean? Like, man who's been washed for a while. Tony yeah. Parker can still play. Can <laughs> still play. Man can still play, man. But even just finding the ability to find a Kawhi Leonard who kind of slid under the radar, you know, maybe fell a little oh, lower than didn't have a thought. jump shot in college. And now he's one of the best players in the league. Like he's clearly what a top ten, top five player in the oh, NBA. When he's playing, a top five, absolutely. It's so crazy. But sorry, Webby, I, I just wanted to get that stat out there because I saw that and it was so crazy. Seriously. If, since I turned up on the Spurs being the biggest surprise of the early season, you turned down on the Spurs being the biggest surprise of the early season. My question to you is, who is your surprise team of the season? Oh, it's obvious, but it's one that I feel good about because I called early this season. Okay. Like uh, in our first pod, I called this, okay. that they were going to have a rebound season, and it's, it's Detroit basketball. Whoa, okay, yes, the Pistons. Okay, okay. Now, I thought it was going to be because uh, um, – Avery Bradley was gonna it was gonna be the start the, the the straw that stirs the drink. But man, man, Andre Drummond's really good. And Andre Drummond has done a lot since the end of last year to the beginning of this year, and has completely kind of changed the way that he plays his game. And for a guy who was like a 2020 threat every night for the last couple of years, now they have him playing almost like an Al Horford role. At the at the kind of like you know at the high post and said and he's passing the ball. Andre Drummond is so good. He is like my underrated player uh, of the year of the first quarter of the year so far. What they've been able to do, and they currently are in second place in the East, and they had a big win over the first place Celtics. So like this is legit. It's not just like a schedule thing. And Stan Van has figured out a way to make this work. And you bring up such a great point of the adjustment made of being able to use Drummond at the high post. And you touched on Avery Bradley, right? It's it's oh, just yeah. another great example of what happens when you bring grown-ups into your lineup. And Avery Bradley, sure. he might not be the best player. He's not like the best two-guard in the league, but he's a solid defender. He knows what to do, and he can hit an open jump shot. He can create a play. He might not be the best two-guard in the league, but he's a grown-up. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to hurt your team out there. And I He's going to hold your players accountable, too. For sure. And when you put him into that, it's like a stabilizing force beside someone who can be kind of erratic in uh, Reggie Jackson, right? Reggie Jackson's a good player, but he can be sometimes erratic. And having <laughs> Sometimes. A, <laughs> I'm being polite. I'm, I'm being polite. But you know what I mean? Like, when you add a stabilizing force like Avery Bradley there, it just makes so much sense. Like, you see why they, they were okay with making that move to bring him into the fold. Because people were wondering about that contract. Is that contract a little much? But now when you look at it, it might have been just the perfect fit for their lineup, like one of like the missing piece of their lineup, right? Oh, absolutely. And like you say, just a grown-up. And again, we talk about good coaching. I think Stan Van is a really good coach. Stan Van is a very good coach. And it's it's funny to see the difference between because him and Doc basically Doc was obviously uh, had that title, that dual title of GM or president and coach, right? The same thing that Stan Van has in Detroit. And it's super interesting to see how it's played out for both of those guys. Because when you think about it, 
Doc kind of got there, and that Clippers team was already in place, right? And he didn't really improve them at all, right? It's not like they moved up a level once Doc Rivers got there. They kind of remained the same and have now gone down. Whereas you look at Stan Van, he got there, and it's not like Detroit was anything. They were okay. They're okay. But when you look at the strides they've made now, so for them to be a top-tier team in the East Webby, I don't remember exactly where you had them when when we did our, our season preview. But I said maybe playoff sleeper, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. The difference between playoff sleeper and being a top-two team in the East, like that's, that's amazing. And it's a credit to the job that Stan Van Gundy has done as both GM or president and coach, right? Like knowing what you were missing and getting an Avery Bradley and now having a full year for him to fit into that roster, it's looking great in Detroit. And it, it, it's cool too to see it happen in a season where the team's moved back downtown, right? And they're trying to build that fan base back up because yeah. the, the attendance numbers have not been going well to start the season so far in their new arena downtown. But hopefully if the team continues to win, you know, They'll give the some fans something to cheer about. Yeah. Another team that has given their fans something to cheer about over the past week is your favorite team in mine, your Toronto Raptors. It's time for the the wrap it up. up. Wrap it up. The wrap it up segment where we go over the news and notes of your Toronto Raptors. And, you know, other than Drake obviously taking over the broadcast last night during the Raptors. Bad look for TSN not to have Drake night. Right? Kate Burness upset. Drake didn't didn't give the TSN broadcast love and said it happened to Sportsnet, right? But aside from that, when when Drake is not dominating the broadcast and dissing Jeremy Lamb for no good reason, <laughs> right? Like Jeremy Lamb's got to be like, wait a second, what did I do to anyone? Like he's just getting Shit. slandered all over the place. Like it's amazing. But when Drake's not dominating the headlines, the person who did dominate the Raptors headlines this week was Mark Gasol as. We'll get to the the craziness that's going on in Memphis because it is craziness. But one of the things that come out of that are trade rumors. And is Marc Gasol unhappy? Is there a thing where it's just time to blow it all up in Memphis? Either way, it's led to Marc Gasol rumors. There's a report from NBA insider Mitch Lawrence, and he says, among the teams that could make a move for Gasol are Toronto, Cleveland, Boston, and Portland. Industry sources tell me that the Raptors are open to moving center Jonas Valanciunas and have young players the Grizz might be interested in pursuing, including Jakob Pertl and Lucas Nagara. So let's start there, Webby, and say, should the Raptors go after Marc Gasol? If that's all you got to give up for him, yes. Is is there anyone that you would think is like untouchable um, of the kids? Or you're just like... Other than DeRozan and Lowry? No. Marc Gasol is that good where you want to talk about a, a culture guy, too. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors are trying to build a culture. Marcus Gasol is the guy that you want to do that with, man. I, I got a lot of time for him. Not only is he one of the uh, like most underrated big men of the last decade, but from all accounts, like a really, really solid locker room guy. Again, pun the cliche. <laughs> but... Th- but but you know what? Like, I, I think that there's a reason that David Fisdale got let go because the people who own the team and run the Grizzlies know how important Marcus All is. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't think that the Grizz would get rid of him. 
But if you're the Raptors, yeah, I would trade just about anybody on the roster for Marcus Gasol. It's funny, too, because I've floated this question around a couple of our, our boys who are also Raptor fans, and they hesitated on, like, they didn't want to give up OG in a deal. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, I, <laughs> We're listen, not at a place where— OG can defend. That's great. But he's not, like, uh, a, a really a five-tool player like Marcus Gasol is, especially now that Mark's added, like, the three-point shot to his game. I mean, it brings up a very interesting thing, right? Because Marcus Gasol, I think, Webby, could be that— third piece that Serge Ibaka was supposed to be or that you were hoping Serge Ibaka would be you know like that that like big man presence to balance off the the dominating backcourt you have with Lowry and DeRozan I think Marcus Gasol could actually be that person and the thing is with his contract it actually does fit into the same three-year window that uh, Masai Ujiri has been putting forward right with the the deals of re-upping Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry for three years he has DeMar DeRozan for four years, one extra year after that, but Marcus Gasol's contract fits right into that, right? I mean, he'll cost you, I think, 25 and a half mil on the final year of his deal in 1920, but you're telling me that if you could get Marcus Gasol to fit into that hole and you're running forward with your, your core of being Lowry, DeRozan, Serge, and Marcus Gasol, and there's no, none of the kids are untouchable in my mind. If you had to give up Norm Powell or if you had to give up Pirtle or OG, you yeah. wouldn't really want to do that. But if you're serious about, hey, we brought back Lowry and DeRozan and Serge to make a run here and be a serious contender for not only the Eastern Conference before a championship, then you got to go get Marc Gasol, no? Oh, yeah. If you're the Raptors, you do everything you can to get a guy like him on your team. The only problem is there's no way the Grizz trade a guy who they fired their coach over. There's no way. Well, what so if it, I think this could be a Raptors pipe dream here. It is super interesting that you say that. And I'm trying to find the article right now because uh, a story came out today in the Bleacher Report. And you're, you're totally right about this, Webby. Uh, I don't know if I sent this to you because it came out pretty late during the day, but it was by uh, Ken Berger of the Bleacher Report. And there are Shout a lot of like... Berger. Yeah, he's solid. He's a solid NBA reporter, longtime NBA reporter. And uh, he had a lot of like just fire, fire, flame quotes from sources here about the the whole situation. And here, I'm going to read you a couple of the quotes here that might lead to exactly what you're saying. You're the Grizz. You don't want to give up Marcus Gasol. So I'm going to read you some of these quotes, Webby. First of all, the Grizzlies are like a Hollywood set. A person familiar with the team's dynamics told Bleacher Report, quote, a lot of facade and nothing behind it. Okay. Two. Second quote that caught my eye. Going on more with the whole Marcus Gasol and the tension there, it's basically talked about how uh, Marcus Gasol's been, he's kind of been antsy for a while, right? Because, quote, he had two pretty good coaches in Dave and Lionel, and he yeah. felt this guy was a bit of a phony. So you could be right there, Webby. If Marcus Gasol thinks that Fisdale was a bit of a phony, and then they're getting rid of Fisdale, maybe that squashes the, the rumors to the Raptors, but it's great to dream, right? Oh, for sure. And uh, the people who run the Grizzlies there, mm-hmm. they they know he's important enough to lose a, a good young coach like David Fisdale for. Yeah. And I mean, this fits perfectly into our Feed Me segment because there was a lot of fire flames put out on social media this week as David Fisdale was let go by the Grizzlies. And just to, to catch you up a little, if you are unaware of what happened... After Fisdale benched Marcus Gasol on Saturday night in the fourth quarter, uh, 
Mark Gasol said, I hate not playing. That's what I value the most. If I'm not on the floor, I'm not valued. I'm sure they knew that would hurt me the most. Fizdale, for his sake, said, it's nothing against him. I'm trying to win a game. I'm desperate. As we just discussed, Fizdale ended up getting fired, and Mark Gasol ended up winning this battle, and NBA players took to social media. This is why this leads our Feed Me segment, which, to remind you again, is the best things to come across our social media feeds this past week, and tons of NBA players, LeBron James, D. Wade, Isaiah Thomas, Damian Lillard, they all went to Twitter shocked to voice their displeasure with David Fisdale getting fired. And my question to you is, we just talked a little bit on what was going on behind the scenes with Marc Gasol and Fisdale and Marc Gasol winning that battle, but why do you think so many players were so quick to to head to social media in defense of Fisdale? Like, that's not really something we've seen happen a lot, right? No, and it seems kind of hypocritical for a lot of these guys, especially LeBron. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, David Bryant was only a couple of years ago. But it's also funny, too, because it's like LeBron's like, I demand answers. Like, I want answers. Like, why do you need answers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you the commissioner of the league? <laughs> You're on, do you have, like, shares? You and Justin Timberlake have shares in the Grizzlies? Like, why <laughs> do you need like, answers? I can't figure out why everybody was standing out for David Fisdale. Yeah, I mean, well, we obviously know that LeBron and Wade would have a relationship with them because he was an assistant coach. <laughs> For that, those guys with the Heat when they won yeah. championships, so they're obviously like looking out for their boy. But the other thing that was burning up was social the media, other guys. yeah, the other thing burning up social media was uh, former NBA player Stephen Jackson. Oh, this was crazy, right? This was crazy. So Stephen Jackson began by sharing the following statement on Instagram: "You give a hundred million to a guy that don't even care about the game or winning, but you expect a coach to make a miracle happen." He then added. Fire Chandler Parsons in the caption of the post, a direct, like, direct fire flame shot at Chandler Parsons, which led to a full on back and forth, which, I mean, you know, escalated. We have this segment called Feed Me, and note, at no point have we ever struggled (laughs) for NBA content to light up our social media. But Chandler Parsons, I'm bringing it up right now, Chandler Parsons responded to Steven Jackson on Instagram, saying... As politely as he could. He tried, right? Chandler Parsons, quote, It's wild to me that someone who has been in my shoes knows how hard it is to get here and knows how bad injuries suck to hate so hard. You mad I can provide for my family? I don't love the game because I had three knee surgeries? You make no sense and sound bitter. NBA is a brotherhood. Stop hating. To which, obviously, Stephen Jackson wasn't just going to let slide. If Stephen Jackson comes at you with that, just let it go, man. Stephen Jackson's crazy. Stephen Jackson's things. He's seen things. Just let it go, Chandler. Let it go. Stephen Jackson is not one to play with. And, I mean, obviously, this is just Twitter talk or Instagram talk. But Stephen Jackson came back at Chandler Parsons saying, quote, You not my brother. Sorry. All basketball players ain't cool. Facts. I've been better than you and still is. The fact is, it sucks to see guys make coaches look bad because they don't want to give 110%. I love the game. Always have. We didn't take the same path. We are completely different. It's not a brotherhood like you think as much as I've been hated because I speak facts. 
anybody would want me over you as a teammate. I hate to see where the game is headed. I'm from Port Arthur, Port Arthur Texas. You no, wouldn't know about Port the Arthur. path that I took. Steven Jackson, he did say also, just for people who are worried in this hypersensitive 2017 where, where, where uh, snatching chains is becoming a, a wow, topic. James Snatchgazi. <laughs> right. So Steven Jackson did make sure to say, this is not a beef. I have passion for the game. I love this game. I hate to see it not appreciated. I hate to see a good coach get fired because he cares more than the players. So this back and forth, I mean, what do you, what do you make of all this? Again, why are, why are people so angry that Fizdale got fired? Why is he the one that, you know, has lit this match, let's say, under the entire NBA social media world? Just, well, I, I, I'm confused. <laughs> uh, uh, that's not to say that I'm not entertained. Oh, super entertained. Uh, Chandler Parsons, though, like, do you think he made the right move in going back at Steven Jackson or you just let it go? You kind of alluded no, to this earlier. No, you let it go, man. Steven Jackson's crazy. And I mean, also, though, like, what do you have to prove? I understand. I understand what Chandler Parsons is saying because, like, man, like, it's tough for him. It's not like he wants to be injured, yeah. you know? Yeah. But just hold your tongue, man. You don't need to go crazy. Also, too, it's not his fault that he gets signed. He's gotten signed to two big time max deals. That's not no, Taylor Parsons' fault, right? Like the fact that he's injury prone and was still able to get these deals, it's not his Good fault. Friend. Is he supposed to go to the GM and be like, you know what? Actually, I have injury problems. I'm going to take less money than the money that you're asking me. Like that's not a realistic situation. Now, I mean, maybe Steven Jackson is speaking because he he does have friends who are still in the NBA. So maybe he has knowledge that we don't know about, you know, the work ethic of Chandler Parsons. Where is he working hard to get back from said injuries? We don't know if that's a thing, but I mean, it is pretty crazy for a former NBA player who also moonlights right now as an NBA analyst on ESPN, right? Yeah. To just openly just rip a player. It, I mean, it is pretty, pretty crazy to see what's going on in the NBA. But I, I guess that's just a testament to how crazy things are right now in Memphis. You're absolutely right. I mean, where do they go from here now? Like, you've got so much now tied into these two players in Conley and Gasol. And I'd be, again, surprised if they let any one of these guys go. But like we see with the Clippers, you got to have a plan, man. Yeah. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants. It's and true. say what you will about the Raptors, but hey, at least Masai Ujiri like, has a plan. Yeah. It's true. You're right. And it, it was totally obvious. We touched on it, right? Like he has a plan. I re-signed Serge. I re-signed Kyle. We're, we have this three-year window where we're going to bring back the team and see what we can do in those three years while we're also building the kids, right? Like you still have Norm, who's super young. You still have OG, obviously, Pirtle, Siakam, Freddie, who's balling, DeLon Wright. Like you're, you're still bringing along your kids at the same time of keeping your core that can keep you at a high level for the next three years. You're so right about having a plan. And with the Grizzlies, it's kind of going the opposite way because Steven Jackson, one of the things, cause he also posted uh, Instagram videos where he was talking about how uh, you can't expect the team who, who lived off grit and grind. Like that was kind of their, their whole thing in Memphis, yeah. but then that's your, your moniker, but then you lose Tony Allen, you lose Zebo and expect that same thing to work right in that team like he does make points there he's making interesting points but i think overall webster you're you're right when you say you got to keep gasol you got to keep 
Mike Connolly and try to make the other pieces fit around because I mean Mar- or uh, Connolly's still out, but this spiral goes back to last year. Like they're oh, yeah. something like sixteen and twenty seven since the All Star break, right? And like that's just not a good look at all, with or without Connolly. They got to figure something out in Memphis because things just are not going well. That, not when you fire your coach this early in the season, things are definitely not going well. Do you know what the funny thing is about all this, Webby? The Feed Me segment cracks me up every single week because there's always just something, right? Like no other league is not, is like this in the sense that dudes or people associated with the game, right? Like we're talking about Arthur memes like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> the Cavs have now like gone from having the angry Arthur meme to the the happy skipping along Arthur meme that Isaiah Thomas put out, which has now led to a win streak. And now we're talking about players calling out organizations for firing coaches on Twitter and social media. And, 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 and NBA analysts calling out NBA players on social media. Right. And we didn't even talk about your boy Enos Cantor, who mocked LeBron after LeBron got kicked out. Enos Cantor decided to go to Twitter. Did you see this? And it was he, a pretty good, pretty good burn pretty solid burn because if we remember back lebron james after just dominating the knicks posted a picture on instagram of him at center court at msg and gave himself the crown of being the king of new york and so <laughs> it is Cantor after lebron james was ejected from a game earlier this season Cantor posted a picture of the ref throwing lebron james out and captioned it the king of cleveland saying the the referee for throwing LeBron out is the king of Cleveland, (laughs) which, I mean, LeBron hasn't responded yet, which I'm kind of surprised at, to be honest. I know, right? Social media name and, like, LeBron, you would think. Right? He kind of just let that one slide. But score one for Enos Cantor there from the Feed Me segment producers, right? (laughs) No, listen, Enos Cantor quickly becoming a Feed Me segment favorite. (laughs) I just love that he's here for the drama. Enos Cantor is here for the NBA drama, and I like that. I like that. Absolutely. It's not just, makes our job easier. Right? Makes our job totally easy. And you know what else makes our job easy, Webby? The Ask on Blast segment. Oh, because I love it. Our great listeners, week in and week out, will send us a bunch of questions. And I mean, we I sort of like, I sent you three different options, Webby, because we had a question on the Grammys. We had a question on chain snatching. But you opted for the third option here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which was amazing, which was sent to us by uh, On Blast or Ball On Blast listener, Andrea, who wants to know, what are your thoughts on the royal family and Meghan Markle and Prince Harry getting engaged? Okay. (laughs) So, Shelly, you got to tell me who this Meghan Markle is, because I'm not a Suits guy. (laughs) I know know it shoots in Toronto. But this was the first time I'd ever heard of or seen this girl. And by the way, before you tell me, Prince Harry, like a low-key budget Carson Wentz. (laughs) Yes. You're not the first person to bring that up to me this week, and it is very true. So like Carson Wentz right now, I don't know if he's married. I have no idea what his marital status is. But is he thinking he had a shot with Meghan Markle? Is that what he's thinking right now? Carson Wentz, your boy? Yeah, a God-fearing man like Carson, I'm sure he's married. Fair enough. That's that's probably true. So explain um, Meghan Merkel to me. 
So Meghan Markle, first off, like I love the show Suits. As if you've been following On Blast or you listen or you follow me on Twitter or whatever, you know I watch a lot of terrible television. I watch like everything from, I tell people I watch everything from TMZ to 60 Minutes and everything in between. Reality <laughs> TV, dramas, comedy, whatever. You name it, I probably watch it or have tried to watch it. Suits, right. all about Suits. Think it's a great show. It's been on for a while. And as you mentioned, yes, it films in Toronto and they try to make Toronto New York on the show, right? As but, they do in every show and every movie ever made. And so as I've been watching Suits, Meghan Markle is outstanding. And she is She's just gorgeous. And it's been one of those things where I'm like, they film in Toronto. We used to work on King Street where they'd film a lot of the scenes for the show. And it always, I think even they'd film in the building because our old work used to be in a hotel building right in downtown Toronto on King Street. And so it was one of those things where just once, you know, I'd like to bump into Meghan Markle somewhere and just say hi. <laughs> just say hello. Okay. There's no Never. way she's hotter than Kate. Than Kate Middleton? Are you serious right now? Come yeah, on, yeah. Ibby. I'm serious. No, no, that's a, that's like no, no, that's blasphemous right now. Completely. You're blasphemous. saying that Meghan Mark- Merkel is hotter than Kate Middleton. We have to put this out to, on a poll to our oh, on, we gotta do a poll we to do our ball on blast listeners. Meghan Markle or Kate Middleton? I mean, I'm Team Meghan Markle one thousand percent. I guess I'm gonna be Team Kate Middleton. I think she's elegant, classy, <laughs> and super smoking. <laughs> Meanwhile, Meghan Markle was a deal or no deal girl. Is that what you're trying to say? You're trying to to, to diss my was girl? Was she really? A, was she a deal or, de- or no deal girl? She was. She had a brief. Yo, that, that is legit awesome. It's <laughs> a thing. That's a come up. That is a Yo, come up. Howie Mandel. That is a come up. That is so crazy. But you know what else is funny? I don't know if you remember this guy. I think his name was Imran. He was an intern at The Score back in the day. And I remember okay. one day I was talking to our buddy uh, Dino Lynch. Yeah, and the professor. The professor. And I was telling him about – I think I was telling him about Suits. And we were talking – oh, maybe it might have been when they started dating. No, it had to be before that. But anyways, I was talking to Lynch about Meghan Markle. Maybe I was trying to sell him or get him to watch Suits. And he's like, hey, man, have you seen – like I swear Imran met her on a flight. And we went to, and he's like, yeah, man, he sent me the picture. And then Lynch showed me this picture. No. He met her on a flight and she, and he said like, oh, she's just super nice. And they like talked and whatever. And she posed for a picture with them, like just on a commercial flight. And I'm like, wait a second. Men's are just sitting beside Meghan Markle on a plane. Like, why can't I be on that flight? Why can't I just be walking down Queen Street in the summer, going to fucking Trinity Bellwoods and, and having some some craft uh, beer and Meghan Markle just show up? What is going listen, on, Webby? Listen, to be honest, a lot of Meghan Markle's in Toronto. Whoa. Whoa. A lot. There's a lot. The other funny subplot of all this is uh, someone who will go unnamed because I don't want to put them on blast. Part oh, of the but this is the on blast podcast. Pun intended in this case. But uh, they were like, I didn't realize that Meghan Markle was black until like this story like really just blew up because obviously now people are posting uh, pictures of her mom and her mom like has like in the picture she had like dreads like she is a clearly a black woman. But Meghan Markle right. looks mixed. Her dad is white. Her dad is Caucasian and her mom is African-American. And uh, it was just one of those things where someone said to me, they're like, they didn't know that was a thing. And they're asking me because they know I watch Suits. 
And they're asking if I knew that. I'm like, yeah, no, I knew that because obviously I've done my Meghan Markle deep dive (laughs) a long time ago on Suits. But uh, the reason I bring this up is because the way that they wrote it into the show was so amazing because her dad on the show is actually Bunk from The Wire, which is amazing. Yes, which is so amazing. But they wrote it into a scene where like uh, her dad obviously shows up and the other people on the show are surprised that that's her dad and kind of does like the double take look and like they don't even say it but you know what's going on just by the looks like yes my dad's black like i'm black you know what i mean like it was one of those things like it was one of those again slow clap moments where you're watching a show and you're like bravo bravo but that's a way yeah that's a good way to do it oh yeah so that's the only thing that i did know about it because i was like why is it such a big deal that these two are together and then Oh, because uh, I think it was my fiance was like, "Oh, it's because she's half white." I thought it was because she was Canadian, <laughs> right? That would and, and and the and the Brits didn't like her because she was uh she was from the colonies. Oh well, I mean, hey, that might be an excuse that they would make to cover up. But, the actual but no, reason they, why it made bad. way more sense, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, well, good, yeah, good for for budget Carson Wentz over there. Get some." I mean. That's a great come up. Shout out to Meghan Markle. I'm happy for Meghan Markle. And shout out to Suits, who's the star of that show, also went to my high school, Northern Secondary School, which is doing work this week, by the way. Yo, shouts to Matt Black. Shouts to Matt Black, also Northern Secondary School graduate. We out here, Northern, all over the place. I know so many people from Northern. It's crazy. Well, the funny thing is we both used to work with Cab, and way back in the day, Cabby obviously would be traveling all over the place and he'd always come back and he'd be like, Shelly, I met someone else again this weekend that said they know you from Northern. How is there so many Northern kids all over the place? No matter where he was going, small town, big town, Canada, even London, England. I think he was at like some like Olympics event in London and like he met someone that was in like my my math class or some shit like that, but it was just so hilarious. And I would always be like, well, there's over 2000 kids that go to the school, but also we out here, we do a big things. You know, it's Northern, right, now we're getting into the Toronto area high school podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, when, when Matt black makes a great interception to clinch great cups, that happens. I, I got I to gotta shout out the Red gotta Knights. Got to shout them out, 100%. Got to shout out the Red Knights. And I also got to shout out you, Webby, and our listeners who I hope enjoyed another edition of the Ball on Blast podcast, where we are, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter, still mad about Meghan Markle. You can find me on Twitter, (laughs) at Shell Alexander, and on Instagram, Sheldon Alexander, lowercase. Webby, where can the people find you? You can find me on all the socials at AWebster84. And listen, vote Kate Middleton because you know <laughs> that Princess Kate is just whoa. Princess Kate or Duchess Megan? The vote is up to you, people. Feed us for next week's Feed Me segment. Let us know what you think. As always, until next time, we are the On Blast Podcast. See ya. Peace. On Blast.